Hello, welcome. This is Minister Ginger London. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning to the Ginger London Ministry Show where we are doing the Gotta Get Myself Together uh, Relationship Life Strategies Conference, virtual conference, um, live right here on Blog Talk Radio Show. And we are in the Kingdom Living Series, and this is our final show for the Kingdom Living Series. And the show um, this morning is on Saint-to-Saint Connections. Keeping good company, and we're going to be talking about how to actually keep good company and how to make the right selections um, in our friendships and uh, when we're choosing mentors. You know, because kingdom um, purpose purposes are accomplished through kingdom people, and kingdom people are those that God has chosen to be His workmanship to bring forth good works, which God prepared in advance for His people to do. As we said on last night. God knew you when you were formed before you were formed in your mother's womb. Jesus Christ gave God's people the strategy and the practical way on how to do God's work and how to complete your assignment. When you read the scriptures, you see where Jesus sent the disciples out two by two to accomplish um, the work. And so uh, there in the Old Testament in Amos, there's a scripture that says, how can two walk together except they agree? And there's also a scripture that says two are better than one. Because when one falls, the other one can lift him up. So in order to make the right selection in your saint to saint connection and keeping good company, you're going to need character discernment. And character discernment is um, that valuable tool that keeps you from avoiding toxic entanglements and uh, relationships. So during this show on this morning, we're going to talk about how to recognize and stay away from flesh people, dream killers, Dream stealers and dream suckers. We're going to learn how to do that. Then you're going to learn how to connect with faith people, how to connect with the right mentor, and how to raise your potential to the next level with the right saint to saint connection. None of us can do it by ourselves. We need somebody else connected with uh, to us um, who have our best interests at heart and who um, uh, who are there to support us and, and to actually keep us where. Uh, Keep us going where we need to be going, and so we need to be connected to um, uh, someone um, in order to do that. And so that's what we're going to learn on on this morning. So I want to thank you for joining me on this Saturday morning. I know that um, Saturday mornings are, are mornings when you probably run your errands and do certain things. So I really appreciate you uh, joining me, and so we're going to not waste your time, but make sure that it's uh, time that is well spent and valuable. So let's have a word of prayer. We're going to get right into the teaching. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. On this morning, Lord God, we honor you. And Father, as we prepare to learn more uh, from your word and to learn about being connected to the right people, we ask that you open up our hearts and our minds so that we'll be able to hear from you. Holy Spirit, I decrease as you increase so that uh, the word of God can go forward untainted, unhindered, Father, and untouched. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, and we believe by faith that we are going to be the people you designed us to be and connected to those you want us connected to. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So we're talking about um, the uh, faith-to-faith, I mean the saint-to-saint connection and um, keeping good company. And so it all starts with, with you examining yourself. It goes back again. Everything is going to go back when you talk about getting yourself together. Everything is going to go back to you examining yourself and getting yourself together. 
And so it's going to be very important that we do that. So Second Corinthians 13, 5 says, tells us about examining ourselves. And it says really to examine yourself to see if your faith is really genuine, to test yourself. And so that means that you have to go inside of yourself. So before you can make really good choices in your relationships, in your relationship, you're going to have to examine yourself. You have to get involved and, 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 and let the people you allow into your life, you're going to need some discernment. First, you have to um, really examine what your motives are. Why do I want to be connected to this particular person? You know, So who you are, and set, that's the first thing you want to look at. And then the second one is what are your motives for wanting to establish uh, relationships? You know, Is it for self-gain? Is it for selfish motives? Or is it actually to raise your potential? To another level, it is is it to help you to uh, thrive in life, to be a better person, or is it just a, or is it a friendly, comfortable friendship, someone you get along with, someone you can enjoy your life with, share things with, you know, those are the important things that we want to take a look at. So we have to take a really uh, microscopic and honest look into why uh, we think the way we do, why we feel about how we feel about certain issues, and why and why uh, we do what we do. What is it that makes us choose the people that we choose to be in relationships with? We can't choose our family members, but we can choose our friends. We can choose the coworkers that we associate with, and we can choose the people that we allow in our inner circle. We can choose those close people. We make those choices. So uh, if your motives are impure, your relationships will be unhealthy. You know, so if you have an unrealistic uh, view about things, if your mindset is outdated, then your relationships would be uh, one-sided. You know, as we talked on last night, if you have feelings of bitterness, pain, if we have bitterness, pain, um, and hurts and resentments, then your relationship will be filled with hurts and pains. Okay, it's dangerous to be um, destructive and to build relationships on shaky foundation. Somebody always get hurt emotionally, emotionally. So if you want to make good choices in selecting people, then you have to get involved with um, first examining yourself and shaking yourself loose of all those um, uh, things that uh, causes you to make bad choices in, in relationships. All right. And so remember Proverbs 18, um, chapter 18, verse 24 says, a man who finds a man who has friends must show himself friendly. OK, and so that's that's the key thing. So it's to show yourself friendly, uh, making good choices, me evaluating uh, who you are, knowing yourself, being self-aware of uh, different things in your life. And what's going on uh, in your life so that you can make those good choices. So it's, a, it's taking an honest look at um, everything that's going on. I can't get it right now. All right. So let's let's uh, take a look at that. All right. So when you are um, making good choices, the first thing that you have to under, make choices in your relationship is that you actually have the power. Uh, you have the power of choice. And the power of choice is the ability uh to select one thing over another. It's the ability to select one thing over another. Uh, the Word of God says, choose you this day whom you would serve, whether, you know, the gods of your father uh, served on on the one side of the floor. Is it going to be um, other gods? And he said, but, but Joshua says, but me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
Some relationships are chosen based on, you know, other gods. You know, you're serving, they're doing things outside of what your uh, faith belief, what your uh, foundation says that you should be doing. And so uh, if you're lonely, if there's a fear of being alone, if there's a fear of being rejected and, and wanting to be accepted, then you have, you choose your relationships based on those feelings. So, Instead of being healed and whole, you make your choices off of those relationships, your relationship choices off of those feelings. And and that's not a good thing because you're not going to make the right connection. You're going to make a connection to people who you think can um, take care of that loneliness. Uh, You know, you're going to get involved in a relationship and you think because they're there that you'll no longer feel lonely until you realize that that choice was not a good choice and you're still lonely. You're going to make up that choice out of fear of being alone, and you'll end up with somebody who's mean, who's uh, mean-spirited, maybe a dishonest person, someone who just overlooks you, and so you're right back to that, that, that fe- another fear, fear of being rejected and all those things. So you can't uh, make your choices based on those things that are unhealthy in your life. That's why your emotional uh, being has to be healed and hold, and that there has to be... Um, uh, some you have to learn to manage uh, your emotions in your life. And uh, okay, so making good choices in a relationship is usually making choices from feeling empowered. When you feel powerless and you make your choices off of powerless powerlessness, then you make bad choices. But when you're empowered to make good choices, when you have that foundation, when your ma- your emotions are managed and uh and controlled, then you make good choices uh in in the relationship and then you have the freedom to choose. Um the scripture says in Second Corinthians three and seventeen, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In other words, there's freedom. There's a generosity of grace upon your life, so you no longer have to be uh, subject to the bondage of, of, of loneliness, um, uh, fearing that you have to do it by yourself. There's nobody there. Don't nobody. No one loves you. You have you're free from that. And so to be free means to be unshackled. It means to be liberated. So simply said, your mind um, has to be free of the issues of life. It's not that you're in denial, but you can't be consumed with those issues of life when you're making friendship um, connections or when you're uh, making saint-to-saint connections. You have to be free to choose, and that is important uh, in that if your mind is shackled in any way, it's not free to choose, and therefore you will not make godly choices in in um, in choosing your relationship. So you have to decide to choose right, and the first way to do that is to trust God. Um, uh, Proverbs three verses five through seven says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight." Uh, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. So it's clear in the New Living Translation. It says it like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your path. Do not be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. Sometimes we make our selections based on what we think we know about people or how they look or they look like they may be they may be um the right person for my life. This is the person who can help me advance because oh they got it all together and look how well he's doing in business or in ministry or in his career. Or look how well she's doing in 
uh, that would be a perfect person for me to be connected to. And then we seek them out and we try to make that connection. And initially it looks good until you start getting to know that person a little bit better and you start figuring, uh, learning some things about that person. And because you went on the appearance of who looks like they will work, who looks like they are a perfect fit for me, then because of that you make the wrong selection in choosing uh, the person that we get uh, connected with. So uh, we have to trust God, you know, and to trust God means to be confident in him, to confide in God. And when you confide in God, you say, God, I need someone to connect with me. I need somebody who can help me um, uh, walk this vision out. I need somebody who can help me to uh, main, uh, to sustain myself in, uh, in this walk with you. I need somebody who can help me in my career. God, I trust you. I want... Um, uh, befriend anybody until you show me that this is the person that I'm supposed to be uh, connected with. You must stay connected to your source in choosing friends, and your source is God. You have to stay connected to Jesus Christ. You've got to stay connected to God. Being um, attached to the true vine gives you a sense of, of well-being from knowing that the rug will not be pulled out from under you when you make that saint-to-saint connection. When you do it on your own at any time, the, uh, that person might decide they don't want to be connected to you or they'll take advantage of you or they'll mistreat you. And you'll think because in your mind you thought you were making the right connection that that might be a part of the process. And, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm being tested or, they're, you know, I'm being proven and all. You know, they're just trying to make sure that everything is okay with me. And sometimes it's just a bad choice. You know, wherever you look in the Bible where there was a, a saint-to-saint connection, nobody had to prove anything, Okay. Everybody understood their role in the connection. When God connected Paul, when Paul had that Damascus Road experience and Jesus sent him on uh, and he got connected uh, to the person that he studied under, he didn't have to prove anything. God spoke to the people and the people did what God told them to do. They received him and he sat at, the, at, at, at his feet and he, and he learned the scriptures, period. So sometimes we put ourselves through a lot of unnecessary uh, processes in trying to connect to people. We try to prove to them that we're worthy of their friendship, or we're worthy of of them to be uh, for them to mentor us, and we're worthy for them to um, be their protege so we can learn the job. We try to prove ourselves, and I'm not talking about loyalty and faithfulness and all of that. I'm talking about we go through, we take ourselves through some unnecessary processes trying to be connected to the people that we have picked out with our natural minds that we think that we should be connected to to complete the assignment that God has given us. So uh, when you're connected to God, you can feel safe, you can feel confident, you can confide in God, and you can rely on him. And so when you trust God, you know that you're going to be led by the Spirit of God, and um, and you will make the right connections Uh in the relationship. So let's talk a little bit about um, you being a reward to somebody. So when you understand your value, it's what we talked about last night, uh, learning to love yourself. And so I'm going to add something to that as it relates to saint-to-saint connection and keeping good company. You have to recognize and realize, and most importantly, you have to believe that you are a a reward to somebody. God created you um, as a, a gift to somebody else's life. And it's not everybody's life. It's some people. You have to find out who they are, and those are the people that you want to make a connection with. Sometimes we go outside of that and we start connecting to people, think, trying to um, 
use our gifts with them and trying to get them to accept us and get them to like us and all those kind we get burnout, we get drained, uh, we become discouraged sometimes. But but when you can get to the place where you realize that God planned you, there's nobody else like you, and that whatever God has deposited on the inside of you, you are a reward to somebody. So it's very important that you grasp your significance and your value um, in this process. When you understand that you're valuable and that you're not just anybody, but you're somebody that God has gifted to be a reward to someone else. All right. So um, the important thing is that you don't, in understanding you that you are a reward to somebody means that um, you make a decision that you don't stay around people who tolerate you. You're around those people who can celebrate you and appreciate and appreciate you. Okay, so your words will motivate someone um, uh, incapable of seeing what you see. So when you realize that you're a reward, in other words, you can speak to that person's life, and then you will help bring some clarity into into their lives. All right, so you are a reward to somebody. God has qualified you to be a perfect solution to someone else, and uh, it's your uh, it's the, the person, not yours. Let me say it another way. Um, it's the other person's responsibility to discern your assignment to them. And that's why you can't go and try to push yourself on people or force a, a connection or force a friendship. They have to discern and they have to understand that whatever it is that you have on the inside of you, they need it in their lives. Right? And then we invite each other to be partakers of each other's lives. So the invitation is better than the push. If I push myself on someone or if I uh, try to force myself on someone, it's not well received. An invitation is always received better than a push. All right, then you have to dis, uh, uh, discover who you who you are assigned to. Who are the people that you need to be connected to, even if it's in a mentor thing? Who does God want me to be connected to so they can mentor me? You have to discover who they are. You have to Ask God to show you who the people are uh, that you are reward to and how do you get connected to them. How do you become connected to them? You are truly a gift and a reward to those that you are assigned to. And the key is to find out who they are and uh, to move in that So uh, and to establish godly relationships with, that, with, the, with the people that you are assigned to. And... Um, a godly relationship, godly relationships, or or a godly relationship, is a relationship when you find uh, one where you can be free to be yourself, free to walk in righteousness, and free to be exemplified uh, to exemplify the good, uh, the God kind of life without being pressured to compromise your righteous stand or your godly principles. So uh, that's the type of relationship or kingdom connection that you want to make one where you are free to be yourself. Where they don't have, you know, in a relationship, you're not in a relationship with somebody to tell you who God created you to be. You know, if you need encouragement, that's different. But when I'm trying to redefine you and I'm trying to tell you um, what your gifts are, what your, um, and not that you don't need help in that area. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm talking about when I'm trying to uh, make you into who I think you ought to be. I'm not talking about when I speak a word into your life by the Spirit of God. I'm talking about when people try to make you into who they think you ought to be, then you are not free to be yourself. Okay? You need to be in a relationship where you're free to walk in righteousness. And 
uh, that type of relationship is where people are not um, uh, putting temptation in front of you and not taunting you about being righteous and not making you feel bad because you don't um, engage in the activities that they engage in. You don't use the language that they use. You don't think the way that they think. You know, they're not mocking uh, your choice of living uh, or your choice of your lifestyle choices or your your behavior choices, your character choices. When you're in a relationship where people are not doing those things, then you're free to be yourself and you're free to walk in righteousness and then free to exemplify the, uh, the God kind of life without being pressured to compromise. Those are the relationships where people are not saying things like, well, uh, God understands. You know you're only human. He knows if you mess up. So there's nothing wrong with doing that for right now. You don't have to do it, you know, continuously. You don't have to make that a habit. We, that's when people are trying to convince you to compromise. They're not, they're not good choices. So you have to be in a relationship where people are not, uh, This the one word comes to mind, taunting you because of your righteous stand. When you've made a decision that you are not, you're going to live a certain way, and that you're not going to compromise that decision. You're in a good relationship when you're with people who who are not um, trying to get you to compromise uh, that that lifestyle choice. Uh, the company you keep will affect your relationship with God. It's no question about it. You can be as spiritual as you want to be. If you hang around the wrong people long enough, you're going to pick up something that they're doing. Um, if you um, or constantly around somebody who uses profanity, every other word is profane, you know, they respond with profanity in every other sentence. If you hang around them long enough, it will come into your mind, and you will have to put forth a lot of energy not to release that language into the atmosphere of your life. So the company you keep will affect your relationship with God. So you have to give much thought and much consideration to all the relationships that you choose in order to guard uh, guard yourself from compromising ungodliness. Um, any relationship that does not allow you to live righteous, or any relationship that interferes with your success, doesn't allow you to be right uh, to maintain your righteousness, that interferes with the progression of um, your business if you're in business, interferes with your uh, ministry assignment, any relationship that interferes with you getting yourself together is a relationship that must be redefined, and the redefinition uh, is not determined by the other person; it's determined by you. So if you're the one who's being hindered and harmed by the relationship, you're the one that has the responsibility to redefine the relationship. And you get to put in place what the redefinition is of that relationship. And if they want to be uh, to maintain contact with you, then what they will do is they will honor uh, that uh, redefinition. Uh, they will honor that plan of action that you have devised to maintain that uh, relationship. And if they choose not to, then you have to not just redefine the relationship, you have to exit the relationship because it's important to be connected to the right people. So if somebody is, is in your circle and they are not um, flowing properly in your life, unless they're completely out of the will of God and refuses to change, then you give everybody an opportunity to line up. And so in giving that opportunity, it means that you redefine the relationship. You come up with a plan of action that they have to follow if they want to maintain some connection with you. So, for example, if you're in business and you are now saying 2012 is the year that I'm going to push my business to do better, I'm going to thrive for more success in 2012, and what I need to do um, is I need to market 
my business or I need to get out there more and um, uh, do certain things or I need to do more Internet marketing. Well, when if you have somebody who's disrespecting your business and who is uh, minimizing the importance of your business success, then when you talk with them, if they didn't realize what they were doing and they have a desire to change their ways, then you need to devise a plan of action to help them do that. And so your redefinition or your restoration plan might say something like, um, uh, number one, it might say, um, uh, will not speak negatively about my business in front of me or to anyone else. Number two, will uh, speak encouraging words when I tell them about things that I'm going to do with my business. Number three, uh, will not um, deter other people from doing business with me. I mean, whatever your plan of action is based on what they're doing, that's just an example. And so if they choose to follow that and you say, hey, this plan of action I want to see, um, we're going to say over the next 90 days how this is going to work out. So if they agree to it, then you monitor that relationship over the next 90 days to see whether or not they are honestly following your plan of action, that redefinition and that restoration plan that you have designed. If you pull that restoration plan together and they say, I'm not doing that, I don't want to do that, I don't want, I feel like you're boxing me in, you know, stuff that people say. If they feel like that, then, then it's really time to honestly reevaluate that uh, relationship and you may have to disconnect from that person. If you are uh, in ministry, the same thing goes. If you're in ministry and this is the year that God said you're going to be see the manifestation of what he has called you to do, uh, I don't care if you're preaching, teaching, evangelist, if you're going to start a church, if you're going to... Um, uh, start a Bible study. It doesn't. If you're going to start a nonprofit organization, it doesn't matter. Whatever God has assigned you to do, if there's anybody in your circle who's speaking against it, minimizing it, downplaying it, uh, not in agreement with it, and uh, if you give them an opportunity to change their way of thinking and they choose to do that, then you create a restoration plan. And you set a time period on it. We're going to monitor this relationship from January the 14th today until 90 days out. If things have changed, then we'll come back and we'll look at it again and see if there's anything we need to tweak in this. You need people around your life this year who's in agreement with you. The scripture says, how can two walk together except they agree? And the New Living Translation says, how can they walk together except they agree to go in the same direction? I can't have you connected to me and you speaking against what I'm doing or you speaking against my life. You're with your friends when you're away from me, mocking me, mocking my righteous standing, mocking the choices that I make about living um, a godly life. Or um, I'm trying to build my business. You say you're my friend, but yet you're out talking to other people, telling them, no, do, uh, don't do business with me. Oh, that business is not going to work. She's not She's not going to do well in that. Save your money. Don't go somewhere else. You know, you have to have people walking in the same direction with you. And so you may have to redefine the relationships. The relationships you choose will either add to or take away from your, from your commitment in life and from your righteous stand. You have to make some good choices. And you have to look at the ones that are around you now. We're still at the top of the year. And this is a good time to evaluate and say, what do I need to do? What I need to, what needs to be changed here? And then because it's, those relationships will either add or take away from the righteous commitment that you make about getting yourself together this year, about doing better, progressing, going to the next level, uh, stepping out on, launching out into the deep, what God has called you to do. Those relationships will either add from it or take away from it.
And you don't want anything taken away from what you have a have purpose for your life for this year. So um, you don't want any relationships in your life that would take the brightness out of your life, take the saltiness out of the, the salt, you know, you're the salt of the earth. You don't want anything that's going to hinder or dim what God wants to do in your life from uh, for this year. And so um, we want to make sure that you pay attention to that. Here are three questions that you can ask yourself to know if you're in, involved in godly relationships. Number one, has my love for God changed? And that goes back to people wanting you to compromise and uh, fit in with them and do what they're doing and uh, talk the way they talk, think like they think, take on the actions that they're taking on. You know, uh, has my love for God changed? If your love for God has changed, evaluate your your relationships and get those relationships out of your life who is causing your love for God to diminish, to be uh, altered or compromised. Then number two, do I still obey the voice of God? Am I listening to my friends? Am I listening to my coworkers? Am I listening to my some of my family members instead of obeying the voice of God? When you have started obeying some voices other than the voice of God, you're in a dangerous situation. That's a relationship you need to get away from. You want to always obey the voice of God. Then number three, is my commitment to God and the things of God increasing or decreasing? You know, God told me that, hey, this is my year. So, if my commitment to God, if I look back over 2000, 2011, can I honestly say that in 2011 my commitment to God increased? Or would I have to honestly say it didn't increase because I got too involved with other people and with people who were not walking in the fullness of God or who uh, minimized their own walk with God? Did I allow them to get in the way? And so my commitment is, was not where uh, God intended. And so if that's the case, Again, it's time to redefine the relationship. So in making those godly, uh, choosing those godly relationships, you need character discernment. That's important. So let's talk about character discernment for a minute. Character discernment is that valuable tool uh, that will keep you from avoiding toxic entanglements. Toxic entanglements. And those toxic relationships, those are the relationships that destroy. Those are the relationships that just get in the way. And so you need discernment to know um, if that person is who you should be connected with. And it takes skill. You know, uh, there is a spiritual gift, a spiritual gift of discernment, knowing who is of God and who is not of God, you know, and that's supernatural. If you're moving in the natural, it takes skill. You know, you have to develop that. It's something that uh, you might, I don't want to use the term hit and miss, but Preferably you understand what I'm saying, you know, because sometimes we can choose a person because, you know, we we looked at it, we, we looked at it carefully, but it just didn't work out because it, over the course of time, something showed up, uh, showed up that wasn't there initially or wasn't prevalent uh, there initially. That's why you have to constantly keep your eye on the relationship that you're that you're engaged in because things could people things could change in people's lives. You know, somebody who was perfect, a perfect fit, if they make bad start making bad choices and stay on that path, then if they don't change, that's the person that was perfect for your life initially, when they get to a certain state place in their own lives, then they're no longer a fit for you. And so it takes skills, a skill to to discern um character. So uh, it's sim- character discernment is simply the ability to find uh, 
relationships that are good for you and to avoid those that are not good for you. So God created us for relationships. We were created to have a relationship with him and to have a relationship with our fellow uh, believers and with other people. We're created to have relationships with other people. So we were created to be connected to one another. So because when you make the right connection, it's in that connection that you find a sense of belonging, you find a sense of acceptance, you find um, a sense of closeness, and you find a sense of commitment. And all of those things are healthy in the right um, state of being, in the right mindset, in the right emotional state. All of those things are healthy. Wanting to belong uh, having a sense of belonging, that's nothing wrong with that. When you want to have, when you have a sense of belonging, it doesn't mean that you know that you're frantically searching for somebody, you know, to be a part of a group. It's a good thing when you have that sense and you make the right connection. When you have, when you want to be accepted, it's nothing wrong with wanting to be accepted. When your emotional state of being is healthy and good, it's okay to want to be accepted. Nobody wants to be rejected. So it's okay, but when you are feeding off of unhealthy emotions, acceptance will take on a different persona. It'll take on a different um goal. It'll actually that drive to be accepted will be different when there's a neediness or an unhealthy emotional state. Um closeness. We all desire that. We want closeness, not just within our, say, our family relationships. We want close friends in our lives. We want close acquaintances in our lives. Okay, and also commitment. We want people who can be committed to our lives and who lives that we can be committed to. You want to be able to pick the phone up and call your friend and encourage them. If somebody you know is starting a business and that's my friend, I want to be able to pick it up and say, well, how's it going with that business you were starting? Where are you? Can I help you with something? You know, I'm going to commit to pray for you. Whatever it is that you can do. So, those things are good when they're in a when they're coming from a healthy and a godly state of uh, state of being. Unfortunately, there are times when people feel disconnected from others, and and it leads to isolation, it leads to loneliness. And, and during those times in a person's life, they have a desire to connect that becomes strong, and at times it's overwhelming. And when that happens, people find themselves connecting to anyone who accept who will accept them or let them into a group. And usually in that case, we make the wrong connections. We make some bad connections because they become superficial acquaintances. And usually they result in things like betrayal, hurts, and abandonment. They don't even stay connected to us long enough um, uh, to say that, that it's a legitimate relationship. So let's talk about toxic relationships uh, because they don't work. And they cause a lot of hurt and they cause a lot of pain. And so let's talk about toxic relationships. The Bible mentions unequally yoked, meaning mismatched. Okay, Second Second Corinthians chapter six verses fourteen and sixteen says, "Be not unequally yoked with, together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what common, uh, what communion rather have light with darkness?" So when uh, we read that scripture, he's talking about forming partnerships with unbelievers. Um, uh, and he's telling you, Paul is saying, don't do that. Because when you do that, it can weaken your commitment to Christ. So relationships and partnership with unbelievers can jeopardize the integrity and your spiritual morality uh, of, of the believer. Uh, so it's important not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. It's, you know, it's hard. And if you've ever... Um, had a friendship with someone who was not a part of the body of Christ, you will find that it's difficult sometimes, especially when they don't understand why you're so committed. 
to Christ and so committed to godly things and committed to your life's assignment or maybe you know your life's assignment and they're struggling trying to figure theirs out and they don't understand that your your understanding is spiritual where they're trying to flow in the natural. And so uh, when you are connected to an um when you're unequally yoked with an unbeliever, you're going in two different directions because you're following the uh, the plan of God, and they're trying to find a plan to follow. So you're going uh, two different ways, and so there's a strain that gets put on the, the friendship or the relationship because you're going two different ways. And so you can't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever because um, they don't understand it. They don't understand the direction that you're taking taking in your life. Um, so don't lock into those types of uh, friendships or relationships, or if you're business or ministry or on your job, don't lock into or don't get in, don't engage in those types of relationships. There is no harmony or fellowship uh, in those relationships. Eventually, something is going to happen. Okay, then you have the toxic relationship where emotional blackmail, where there's emotional or spiritual blackmailers. You know, they have hidden motives. Proverbs twenty verse twenty seven says like this The Lord search the the large the Lord's searchlight penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. And so you uh when you're engaged with emotional and spiritual blackmailers, these are people in your life who use fear, obligation, guilt, and scriptures to manipulate you and the relationship. It's an unhealthy relationship. They gather information about you in the relationship and then turn around and use it as as ammunition against you in the relationship. Their purpose is to manipulate um, from a position of fear. Uh, If they can feed on your fear, then the blackmailer will have you doing things the way that they want you to do it. And they usually say uh, things like, um, you know, um, do this and I won't. Do such and such. I won't tell anybody where you went last night. I won't tell anyone about the relationship you're involved in. Uh, Either do it my way or I'll leave you like the rest of your friends did. Or um, I'll stop loving you or I'll disapprove of you. Or, you know, um, they'll tell you, they'll want you to do something a certain way. And if you don't do it, they start yelling. They go into a fit of rage, you know, to to, um, uh, instill fear and to manipulate you uh, to do uh, the, or manipulate the relationship. You know, um, either do it like this or I'll make you miserable. And then they'll start doing things to make the relationship miserable. You know, um, uh, all sorts of things that the emotional um, and spiritual blackmailers do. You know, um, uh, spiritual blackmailers were start um, quoting scriptures with a uh, critical spirit behind quoting the scriptures to make you feel bad and to, uh, to make you feel unworthy and to make you feel miserable. Uh, you know, they'll find scriptures that are just like hit you over the head with them, like a ton of bricks. You know, those are the people that you have to become disconnected uh, from. Emotional um, and spiritual blackmail is a relationship where where Punishment of some kind is a threat that they use against you, you know, directly or indirectly, you know, uh, to manipulate you, to manipulate the relationship. You know, um, it has one basic threat involved in it, and that basic threat is to make you suffer, to make you feel guilty spiritually, and to go undergo unnecessary life experiences. That That's the relationship that just have you spinning your wheels, have you going through the same bad cycle over and over and over again, and just, you just feel like you're just imprisoned. There's like an emotional in, imprisonment 
uh, in those types of relationships. They, you know, blackmailers oftentimes know your deepest secret and vulnerabilities. You know, these are the people that stay long enough to get to know you. You know, you have no idea that they're gaining this information to use it against you. And so they know your deepest secrets and they know your vulnerabilities. They know the value that you place on the relationship with them. And so what they do is they threaten on it, they threaten to withhold uh love and acceptance or approval if you don't do what they want you to do. They're cunning in the relationship. They they make it almost impossible for you to see how they are manipulating you and the relationship. You know, their their actions are usually hidden in their mask. You know, blackmailers uh, use fear like um, alarm, panic. You know, they use out obligation. They make you feel um, like you it's, it's a duty. You got you must do this. You know, they, they uh, have you feeling like you you're obligated to them. Um, they make you feel guilty. They make you take on responsibility for something that you're not responsible for. You know, they make you take the responsibility of why this friendship isn't working or why this relationship isn't working. They make you take that guilt of that on. The, like it's your fault. You're the blame. If you just would have done what I asked you to do, then we wouldn't be in this situation. You know, so they make you take on the fault and the blame and the responsibility. Um, their threats make your life difficult. Um, and they, their most constant threat is that they'll end the, the friendship with you or they're in the relationship. I don't know if I can be friends with you if you're not going to want to do anything I want to do or if you're not going to understand what I'm talking about. I mean, uh, I don't know if I, we can have this relationship if you just, you know, if you're not going to Put, uh, be involved the way I think you should be involved in the relationship. I mean, they the threat is they'll end the relationship. And they have figured out if they say those words to you, that you're going to cave in and you're going to do exactly what they want you to do in the relationship. Um, they use self-sabotaging statements to hurt you. Uh, and so what happens is you're hurt, you, you become depressed behind it. If you let it linger long enough, you know, you have to evaluate it. You have to say something. Most of the time within your spirit, you know something's not right with that relationship. You know something's not right with that friendship because the feelings of guilt and obligation and blame, you know, there's something in you that says this is not a good feeling. This is not the type of relationship I wanted to have with anybody. This is not the type of friendship I was looking for. You know, I wasn't really looking for this. So there's something that that's on the inside of you that awakens you. Now, how you respond to that that um, that awakening determines how long you linger in that uh, particular relationship. In order for the blackmailer, in order to be blackmailed, you have to be a part of the deal. No one can blackmail you without you. That means at some point you're giving in to what the blackmailer wants. You're giving in to what uh, uh, what they're asking you to do. You know, and so in a lot of relationships and friendships, um, people bring nerve buttons. You know, like you're getting on my nerve. You're pushing my last but nerve button. You know, they bring they bring those nerve buttons, and, and those nerve buttons are stored up resentments, their regrets, their insecurities, fears, their anger that they're they're angry about something, and so. Uh, these are the places that hurt if you touch them. That's the nerve button. And a lot of times um, emotional blackmailers and spiritual blackmailers uh, operate efficiently and effectively when they 
uh, get to know where your nerve buttons are, or where your tender spots are in your life. That's how they can get to you because they start touching those nerve buttons, those things that were very sensitive, those insecure areas, uh, those very uh, personal and private areas. They begin to touch those tender um, spots. And so when you let them in, you give it to them. When you let them get close enough, you give them access to those nerve buttons or those sensitive areas of your life. You know, and it sends a, a message to them that says, go ahead, you can touch that button again. Every time you give in to the emotional blackmailer, every time you give in to the spiritual blackmailer, you're giving them permission to push the nerve button again. Every time you let you um, feel guilty and they sense that you feel guilty and you and they can manipulate that relationship with you feeling guilty, you're giving them permission to push that nerve button one more time. Go ahead, hurt me again. Push that nerve button one more time. So, you have to get to the place where the scripture says, guard your heart without diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. You have to become the gatekeeper of your heart and of your soul. You have to be the one that sets the boundaries, that says you're not allowed behind the gated fence. Because behind the gated fence are the valuable things, the intricate, delicate parts of my life. The nerve buttons are behind the gated fence, the um the uh, the tender spots are behind the nerve fence, and you're not somebody that I can let into the gate. You don't have the right code, and since you don't have the code, you can't come behind the gate. Because if I let you in, you will not value the property that you're on. You will come in through the gate, and then you'll come in tearing up the property. You'll start from the front yard to the backyard, tearing it up. And so then and it's my fault because I let you into a gated area. You couldn't get in until I actually opened the gate. And so remember to guard your heart with all diligence because if you let the wrong people in, they're not even going to think about how valuable you are. They're coming in like a bulldozer and they're going to tear everything up in your emotions and then they're going to manipulate you and use you in the relationship to get what they want. So blackmailers um, have a couple of different phases briefly, right, quick punishers. So they demand. They are very demanding. They let you know exactly what they want and what the consequences are if you don't give it to them. <laughs> and they are blatant. They're extremely blatant uh, because uh, they have no fear. They they have no fear of you. They want you to fear them. All right. And so they aim at um, they aim it directly at you. They're not trying to be subtle with it. They're not trying to be uh, real smooth talkers. They're straightforward with it. Point blank. They tell you what you want. Uh, if you um, if you uh, go back to work, I'll leave you. If you uh, divorce me, I'll, you'll never see the kids again. Oh, they are blatant. They are straightforward, direct. It's, it's directly aimed at you. They're not trying to make you guess at anything. Punishers want you to know I'm going to punish you. Another face of a, uh, emotional uh, uh, blackmailers are self-punishers. These are the people that are, are manipulating the relationship by... Um, um, they they tell you if you don't do whatever they want you to do, then they become upset and then even to the point they're unable to uh, function. You know, their threats are turned inward, so they're not threatening to hurt you. They're going to threaten and tell you that they're going to hurt themselves. They're like drama queens almost. You know, they are full of drama. It's, they get they go into a state of hysteria. You know, they are often excessively needy and dependent. They they struggle with taking responsibility for their own lives. And so what they do is once they get into the relationship, get it grounded, uh, they justify their demands by making um, every difficulty real or imagined your fault. 
everything is your fault uh, to the uh, self-punisher, you know. So um, uh, don't argue with me because when you argue with me, I get sick, I get upset, you know. Um, if you if you, if you you do such and such, I'm going to hurt myself. I could feel it already. Those are self-punishers. When people start manipulating their relationship with those kind of comments, you can you need to redefine the relationship. And you need to offer to help them get some help because they are emotionally damaged and they need professional help. All right. Then you have the the um, the sufferers, you know, and these are the the talented blamers, and they they are the guilt peddlers. You know, they are preoccupied with how awful they feel. You know, um, they will use their inability to interpret their minds as proof that that you don't care enough about them. You know, uh, guess what you did to me? If you really love me, you would. You know, when you said that, I was. This is what you did to me. You know, all those kinds of things. So those are the sufferers. You don't need sufferers in your life right now. In 20 That's not what you need. You don't need any of these in your life. Then you have the teasers, and these are the subtle blackmailers. They go through a series of tests and hold out a promise of something wonderful. You know, if you just give them their way, um, you know, I'll help you if. You know, these are the real subtle blackmailers. I'll help you if. I'll help you in your business if you let me be a partner. I'll help you in your business if uh, you give me some free products. You know, I'll help you in ministry if uh, if you do such and such for me. You know, those are not the people you need. You want people in your life who are going to help you without any without you having to give them anything in return other than the same amount of faithfulness, the same amount of loyalty, the same uh, um, strength of uh, godly strength into the relationship. That's it. I don't want to have to trick you into being in a, re- in a relationship with me. I don't want to have to trick you to being in a friendship with me. I don't want to have to trick you into doing something with, for me to help me out in 2012. The God we serve is not a trick master. So I don't have to trick you into helping me um, in 2012. And you don't have to trick me to in helping you. If you have to do that, it's not that we're not supposed to have this connection. Uh, you know, connection. And so those are the, the faces, some of the subtle faces of um the blackmailers. And so those are not the people that you want in your life, in your life. And so those are some of the things that um, the godly, the, some of the uh, ungodly relationships that you want to steer with, the toxic relationships that you want to steer away from because they're not good. They're just absolutely not good for you. And then you have the people who um, are just not right for you. You know, these are the people that will take you down. You know, remember the story of... Um, in the Bible, the story of Jonah, you know, God was sending him to preach to Nineveh, but he he disobeyed God, and, you know, he wanted to go in an opposite direction. And then he ended up getting on this ship, you know, and so when he gets on the ship, there's this storm that comes up, you know, and God doesn't, doesn't tell us to be a part of another man's storm, you know. And so what he did was because of his own disobedience, when he gets on the ship, innocent people, are now have now found themselves in a storm because of one man's disobedience. You don't want anybody around or connected to you who is disobeying God. Because from one person's disobedience, a group of people were in a storm that was not uh, planned for them to be in. So one rebellious, disobedient person can take a whole shipload of people down. One person can come into your circle and mess up everything. So you don't want anybody in your circle that's disobeying God. All right. And so uh, when you're discerning um, um, 
the character of people. You want to make sure that it's somebody who is actually um, obeying God. And what happens with people who are disobeying God, and you start uh, bringing it to their attention and questioning them about it, they have a tendency sometimes to um, try to make you feel bad. You know, Jonah didn't say anything. He saw he was on the ship. He he started. You know, he was on the ship. He didn't say anything. And here these guys are on the ship trying to figure out where the storm came from. The boat is rocking. What are they going to do? They're trying to figure out what to do. He's not saying a word. And he knows that he's in disobedience. He knew that he was in disobedience to the voice of God. And the storm was because of him. And he did not say anything to them until later. There will be people that may come into your life who are disobeying God. They'll know they're in disobedience, and they will not say one word about the fact that they're walking in disobedience. That's where character discernment comes in at. You will need to be able to discern that because a person who's in disobedience, when they show up, things will go haywire in your life, and you're going to be trying to figure out what's going on. One way you can spot we can learn from the story of Jonah, Jonah was just sitting there. The men were on the ship trying to figure out what was going on. He was sitting there without saying anything. So whenever some chaos or something hectic comes up around your life, pay attention to the people who are not do who are not moved by it. You know, and I'm not talking about the faith walkers and the people, the intercessors. All I'm talking about pay attention because the faith walkers and the intercessors they are going to do something. The faith walkers are going to speak encouragement and say, "We believe by faith that God's going to bring us through this." The intercessors, the intercessors are going to pray, so they're going to be doing something. It's the ones who are not saying anything that you're going to have to keep an eye on, and so uh, they ended up having to throw Jonah. Of the boat, he's you know, uh, because it was because he knew he finally had to tell them that the storm was because of him. You know, he says, "Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me." And they threw him, <laughs> and they threw him over the over the boat, and so I don't mean I'm just using it figuratively. There are going to be some people in your life. When they come, they're going to be in disobedience to God. You've got to throw them off the boat. You've got to get them off the ship because as long as they stay on there, you're going to have some unexpected storms that are going to come into your life. And you're going to have some storms that that will come up that um, uh, they're not, that storms that are going to show up in your life, that's not for you. It's because the, the storms are there because somebody in your group, in your circle, is in disobedience to God. And the interesting thing is before they threw Jonah off that ship, these men were working harder. They were working harder at rowing, trying to bring the, the ship um, to land. You know, and sometimes you're going to find yourself working harder and harder and harder at trying to get things done, get yourself together, make your business happen, get started in ministry. And all of that, you're going to be working harder because somebody's going to be in that inner circle who's in disobedience to God. And you think it's something you have to do, and it's not going to be until you discern who that is and throw them overboard that you're gonna, where you're going to see some relief and you're going to see that calm, that um, storm calm down. When they um, threw him over into the sea, the Bible says the sea ceased from its raging. Jonah 1.15, the sea ceased from its raging. You want some storms in your life to stop, take a look, take a look at who's around you. 
you know, and start dealing with it, start speaking it out there so that they can go ahead and confess that I'm walking in disobedience to God. You know, when you allow the wrong people in your life, you're keeping them from you're keeping them from God's best. When they're walking in disobedience and you're causing storms to come into you, but you have to discern who they are. And you have to say, hey, this is not the place for you. This is not where you're supposed to be connected. God has something for you, but this is not it. And you have to push them on so they can go and be. Jonah just needed to go where God told him to go. Go preach to Nineveh like God told you to do. You Being on this ship, this is not where you're supposed to be. This is a good ship, nothing wrong with it. The only thing wrong with you right now is you're in disobedience to God. I'm going to push you out the ship. I'm going to tell you, go preach. Go do what God told you to do. So there may be some people that's in your circle. They're in disobedience to God. Nothing's wrong with them. They're just in disobedience. You've got to encourage them. you got to start. You can't stay here. got to push you off this boat. you got to go do what God told you to go do at this time in your life. I'll pray for you. I'll lift you up. I'll support you. But you can't be on this boat right now. Because you're in disobedience. Go over there where God told you to go. So you're going to have to uh, discern some, some of those characters, you know. So, And the reason why you, you want to raise, the reason why you have to discern characters, be connected to the right person, is because you want to raise your level to the next potential. In 2012, you want to go to another level in 2012. Um, uh, you know, years ago, um, everybody was... Um, uh, excited. Remember, they had uh, Pastor Rick Warren had the book out, you know, um, the Life Purpose book out, you know, and everybody was excited about that, you know. And uh, prior to him uh, was Pastor Miles um, Monroe in the Bahamas in the um, early 1990s, you know, he did the book on understanding purpose, you know, and everybody's excited, you know, and uh, people started looking for their life's purpose and for their life's assignment and, you know, and all those things. And the, then the purpose-driven life came out by years, years like several years later with Pastor Rick Warren with uh, purpose-driven life. And so believers started moving from, the, uh, started moving into um, discovering their purpose um, to, uh, Desiring to live um, a a purpose-driven life, you know, and so both of those teachings are extremely good. And so we started doing that in the body of Christ, and we're still doing that in the body of Christ. But you have to get to the place where you make the right connections with the right people. Um, You have to have the right people around your life. They have to be people who are like-minded. You have to make sure that uh, your vision your potential and your life are surrounded by the right people. It's important because all of those things are valuable and all of those things are on assignment. Uh, your vision is on assignment. If you got your vision from God, it's on assignment. You have to you have to complete that. Your purpose comes from God. It's on assignment. It's not just for you to be at home knowing your purpose. It's on assignment, and your life. Um, it's on assignment. You're not just here to exist. You're here to do something to give God the glory. Um, uh, you need people in your life who can speak to the vision. All right? You, well, you know, the Bible says, write the vision down, make it plain upon tablets so those that read it can run with it. I can't speak to your vision if you don't tell me what it is. And so if I'm going to be in the inner circle, you need to make sure that the vision is written down, that I know what the vision is, because I need to be able to continuously speak into the vision that God has placed over your life. You know, um, I need to be able to press, to hear God, what God is saying, um, 
about your vision and what I'm and what my role is in your life and how do I uh, come into play not so much uh with doing the vision for you but just encouraging you and being there for you so that you can carry out the vision that God has given you um you must make sure that your vision and your potential is not surrounded by people who are a detriment to your success those who are uh, incompetent or those who are not going anywhere in their own lives, they can't be around your vision. They can't be around your life right now or period. They cannot be around you getting yourself together. You know, if if they're a detriment or if they're not going anywhere, that's not the people that you need around you right now, especially during this month while you're getting yourself together. These are not the people that you need around you. Okay, Psalms um, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we've heard it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law do, doeth he meditate day and, and day and night. And so it's very important. It's time to stop getting burned in relationships and connections. It's time to stop getting burned. Sometimes we make connections, especially in ministry and especially in business, and we get burned. You know, in ministry, you connect to somebody, you share your vision, you share your dreams, your ideas, you know, and what you got planned. Uh, you can plan different events. You can plan. You can try to you launch in a church, starting a church, or you're starting a ministry of some kind, you know, or maybe you're invited uh, to go minister, whether you sing, you teach, or whatever you do, you know, and sometimes what happens is repeatedly the same people over and over again continuously to burn us. They sit there, they hear our ideas, they hear our visions, um, our desires, and all those kinds of things, and then they turn around, and then they actually go try to walk it out themselves, or they speak against it, or they come and tell us that this is not the time to do it, you know, and then they try to stop that, and we constantly let the same people repeat the same cycle over and over again in our lives. So it's now 2012. It's time to stop getting burned by people. And the way to do that is to surround yourself with people who are not looking to burn you, but who are looking to believe in you and to thrust you into what God has called you to do. It's, not, it's time to stop being around people who uh, take you down, mistreat you, and disrespect disrespect you and abuse you. It's time to have got to clear got to clear clear the camp. Got to get those people out the camp. Period. Do what you have to do. Say what you have to say. They may have uh, been a part of the camp or a part of your group for a long period of time, but it's, this is the new year. It's a new you. So that means that you need to uh, stop being around the people who take you down. Every time you take a step up, they say something to bring you down or they pull the rug from under you. You may have been depending on them to do a certain thing or depending on them uh, to uh, be supportive or depending on them to show up as something that you have and they tell you they're going to do it and at the last minute, wow, they pull the rug up from under you. They don't do it. They're not com- they're un- uh, they won't commit uh won't uh, honor their commitment. Uh, they won't show up. They'll show. They won't show up, and they won't call you and tell you they're not showing up. Okay, you um, stop being around people who mistreat you. Uh, people who say ugly and mean things to you, don't care about it, never apologize, call your names, uh, mock what you're doing, uh, make a mockery of your life, uh, talk to others about you. All they have to go. Got to get them out your life. You got to stop being around people. Um, who are um, mistreating you, those who are disrespecting you. We talked about that before. Respect, 
you have to watch that. You know, they if they if they can disrespect you in your face, you know they should not be in your life. So get those people out of your life and anyone who would abuse you, whether that's physically, emotionally, spiritually, verbally. God does not intend for you to be a punching bag. You are not um, somebody else's stress release or whatever it is that they tell you. Uh, some people are just mean-spirited, period. They are just mean-spirited people. And so they're not only are they mean-spirited abusively towards you physically, verbally, and emotionally, they'll do it to anybody. So some people are just, unfortunately, that's their personality. And they refuse to change. And they don't want to change. They want to be mean for whatever reason. Maybe it's something in their past. But they don't. They have no desire to change. And they feel like everybody owes them. And that everybody should pay the price of what some one person may have done. You have to get the abusers out of your life. All right. And so you have to stop being around uh, those who abuse you. Stop being around unequally yoked people. You are serving God and they are not. Uh, they're serving a different God. So stop trying to make that connection fit. It doesn't fit. All right. Stop being around people who like to compete with you. Stop being around the competitors. This thing, look, I should compliment your life, not be competing with your life. See, if we're connected, we have a saint to saint connection. And you go from seeing me as a compliment to seeing me as competition, then you're going to treat me as competition. And the competition, if you're doing something, you never give the competition. Any information, you know, if you if let's say football, you know, you don't tell the competition, you know, what your strategy is for winning a game. You know, if you're in business, you don't tell the competition, you know, um, what sale you're going to do or how you're going to market your product or, or if you're doing commercials or if you're doing flyers. Well, I'm, you don't send your your draft of your flyer over to the competition so they can approve it. You don't say, hey, way to go. Yeah, take this to the printer. You know, you don't give the competition any information. You're trying to outbeat the competition. You're trying to beat the competition. You're trying to outsmart the competition. You're not trying to be friends with the competition, with with, with your competition, with the competitor. So you have to get, get stop being around people who are competing with you. Some people will compete with you because um, they're jealous of what's going on, unfortunately, because they're coveting. Maybe what you know what they see in your life and what God is doing, and some again, sometimes you have to. People don't realize what they're doing until you point it out, and uh, those who are doing it um, un- um, um, unintentional are the ones that you want to work with and you want to talk to them about what is going to be required if we stay connected. This is where you where you redefine the uh, the relationship. But if they compete with you and they don't care, they you know they just trying to get what they want to get, and then. Now all of a sudden we're no longer friends. I see, you know, I'm competing. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to out. I'm trying to uh, outdo you. I'm trying to be better than you. Then you have to really stay stay away from those who are competing with you. Um, stop being around people uh, with that Judas mentality. You know, those who kiss you on the cheek on Sunday morning and then sell you out a few minutes later that same day. So you got to watch out for that Judas mentality, folks. That's the folks that's kissing you on the cheek. And just a few minutes later, they're selling you out. They set up in the meeting that you had with your team, shook your hand, told you how great it was, hugged you, kissed you on the cheek, got in the car, down the street, on the cell phone, calling somebody, giving them the ideas that you're getting ready to pull off in the next two months so they can do the same thing. They'll sell you out. 
They're the ones that's in the room with you, listening to the plan of action, hug you, kiss you, get in the car, and turn around and, and, and sell that same information for a few dollars to somebody who has who's not creative, has no vision for life, don't know where he or she is going, looking to feed off of somebody else. Oh, man, can you tell me uh, some of the things they're doing? I'll give you a little change, man. You know, I, I just need some help right now. I don't, mind, I don't mind paying you for the information. Watch the people with the Judas mentality. So uh, pray again, pray for character discernment. That's ability to find relationships that are good for you and avoid those that are not. Any relationship, I'm going to say it again, any relationship that does not allow you to live and pursue righteously on a consistent basis must be redefined. All right, Psalm 119, verse 125 says, I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes. Character is behavior on display. Character is anchored in integrity. And every time God does something significant in in your life, he introduces you to new people. When he wants to take you to a new level, he's going to introduce you to new people. You have to be open to that. Yes, you're used to the old crew, and yes, you're used to being around you. The ones that are for you, when God introduces you to a new person, they're not going to feel, uh, they're not going to be intimidated by it. They're not going to feel rejected. They're not going to feel um uh, isolated, they're going to embrace that new person, bring them into that circle, welcome them into that circle, and make them a part of the team. Whatever is going on in your life where people are involved, when you meet new people, those who really have your back, they're going to embrace that new person. If they understand what God is doing in your life, they will be able to accept the new person that God has assigned for that season at that time in your life. Power people equal power, equals power connections which is God's blessing for transition in your life. If you're going to move to the next level, you have to connect to people who are already on that level, somebody who can push you to that level. The right voices will help you to make the right choices. Every relationship should be profitable in your life. The right voices help you to make the right choices. If you've got the wrong people talking in your ear, you're going to make some bad choices. You can't have people talking in your ear who can't stand um entrepreneurs and you're trying to be one you can't have people who um dislike church and you call to ministry talking in your ear and you call to ministry you can't have those people in your ear you gotta have the right voices in your life so that you can make the right choices you can't have somebody who wants to remain on uh the secretarial level on your job and you try to become the manager of the department or you be trying to become a CEO in the company. You can't have that person talking in your ear. You got to have somebody else speaking to you. You're on a whole nother level of thinking. You can't have the uh, the clerical mentality speaking into the managerial uh, uh, goal. That's not going to work, especially if it's negative. I'm talking negative. There are some people who are on that level. They will push you to do your very best. But I'm talking about the people who are negative about where you're trying to go. All right, and uh, as we get ready to close, I want to encourage you to do two important things. Uh, press, number one, press to hear the word. All right, if you're going to go to the next level, if you're going to connect um, to the right people, press, 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 and hear the word. You must press to become saturated with the word of God. Um, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word is the incorruptible seed. It's the blueprint of how you are to govern your life. The word of God contains the will of God. So when you hear the word of God, your faith increases. 
All right. And three things the word of God will do for releasing your potential to the next level, getting yourself together, connecting to the right people. Three main things that I want to tell you that it does. It empties out it empties you from excuses. You have no more excuses. When the word of God gets on the inside of you, you have no excuses about making bad choices and bad connections. You have you it empties you of excuses. It energizes you with grace and power to obey God. There'll be some people that God wants you to connect with. You won't have to cold turkey, go introduce yourself. You will not know them. They will not know you. You will have to walk up to them and introduce yourself. God's going to say, go to her. And you bow without any doubt. You've got to obey God. You've got to walk up to that person and shake a hand and introduce yourself. Number three, it enriches you with revelation. Remember I said that on lab, um, on one, one of the previous shows, you need a revelation about your life. When you get a revelation about your life, that's a boundary. That you set to keep those that are not supposed to be in to keep them out. You need a revelation for your life. Without a vision, the people perish. You need God to speak a revelation into your life. And then I want you to connect. Uh, well, connect to mentors. Well, before before I do that, we've got just a few more minutes. Uh, one area that I didn't cover with you. That um, let me go ahead and give you these, and because uh, I know um, I said. Um, in the email and the posting that we're going to talk about. I'm just briefly talk about three major, I'll, I'll give you so many people to keep out your life, but for sure these three, because they all fall under here. One of these categories, dream stealers, uh, let's back up, dream killers. Okay. <laughs> so these are the three categories, especially if you're trying to get somewhere in 2012. You know, Again, at the top of the year, we're always making these resolutions and getting ourselves together. So now we got to remember, protect and guard your dreams. But dream killers, these are the people who position themselves in your life to kill opportunities that will propel your next level. Anything that will propel you to the next level or propel your potential, these are the people who position themselves to kill those opportunities. These are the people that go out of their way to put it into what your God assignment, what God has assigned you to do and assigned you to receive. You know, these are the people that behind they um they hide behind something to do. You know, uh, keep in mind if God if God is for you, who can be against you? So when you discover that there's somebody who's trying to kill your dream, that they're going behind you, you know, like uh, examples. What I say, you know, uh, they're in the meeting and they uh, heard everything that you're going to do. As soon as they leave that meeting, they're going behind you. You think they're going to do what you ask them to do, and they're going behind it, and they're going to sabotage it. Those are the the, um, the dream killers. Those are the people, you know, you told them to make a phone call, and when they made their call, they, their call, they were so negative and so horrible in that call that they killed the dream. They, they killed that opportunity right there. All right? Or you'll get a call, and they won't tell you it came through. They will not let you know what your op- they will not let you know about the opportunities that you have to go to the next level. Then they're the dream stealers. These are the people who position themselves in your life to steal from you. They sit back, watch you get something get uh watch you get something and, and then they wait for the right moment to take it. You know, they do they'll let you do all the work, then then they'll wait on uh the return to show up and then they figure out a plan to take it from you. Period. Those are the dream stealers. And they're sitting right in front of you. And you don't even know it until they actually steal it. Those are the folks that will sit back and watch you write a book. Watch watch you uh, plan a conference. Watch you plan your next event or your next uh, 
telecall. These are the people that will actually um, let you do something and then turn right around and steal it and go try to do it themselves and make it seem like they came up with the idea. These are the dream stealers. And then you have the dream suckers. These are the people who position themselves in your life to drain the energy out of your vision or your assignment with negative comments. These are the people that are the what-if people. What if it doesn't work? What if no one comes to buy from you? What if it doesn't, um, what if no one shows up? What if they don't take your call? These are the what-if people, but it's the negative what-if people, not the what-ifs like, have you considered such and such? What if this happens? What are you going to do? No, these are the negative talking people. These are the people that will emotionally and professionally and spiritually drain you by uh, talking about their vision, their business, their careers. You know, they don't have any time. You know, they'll put the what if in front of whatever you're telling them about your stuff in some kind of way. They take over the conversation. When you're talking about, and it turns from your idea and your vision into talking about their stuff. And so now you're thinking you're about to have this meeting about your, what you got planned, and it turns out to be to be a one-hour meeting about the dream suckers' visions and goals. And before you know it, you, you have spoken life into somebody who is sucking life out of you. So you have to watch those dream suckers. You know, they bombard you with questions about their purpose and their vision, causing you to become distracted from your own assignment. So you have to absolutely make sure that you keep these three key people um, out of your life. And so let's talk quickly about mentor. Everybody needs a good mentor. If you're going to uh, go to the next level, you need a really good mentor. And today with technology and um, the way that it is and things, all the things that people can do on the internet by telephone, uh, webinars and all live streaming and all these different kind of things that people have available to them. Now you can be mentored by somebody who's in a whole nother city and state than you're in. And that's a great thing. You know, um, connect yourself with somebody who's already where you want to be, um, especially for those of us who are in Christian ministry. There are so many, no, I'm not going to say so many, there are uh, uh, um, some good organizations that you can become a part of. And when you apply to be a part of those organizations, one one of the selections that they ask you, like what is the question might be, what affiliation do you want with this organization? And some of the choices you might have might be a, ment- a mentee, protege, son or daughter, spiritual son or daughter, you know, or advisor. You know, you might have different um, categories to choose from. You know, and based on whatever category you choose will determine what type of mentoring that you get from that person. And so usually when I join one, I jo- I pick the area that gets me to the closest, the the more the more personal touch from that person. So I might choose um spiritual daughter because I know I'm gonna get more attention. I'm gonna get uh I'm gonna get taken care of better. Not that anything is wrong with the other ones. You may not need all of that, but depending on the wisdom 
that's flowing from that particular person who's over that organization, I'm going to choose spiritual daughter because I want that person to know who I am. I want to, I want to be connected, not just a number in an organization. I want to be connected to where they, even if they can't remember my name, I want them to recognize my face when I show up to the sons and daughters meetings, when I come to the conferences that they have or the special teachings, when they do telecalls and I'm on that call and we have to register where our name shows up. I want them to recognize my name, that I'm serious about learning from them and gleaning their wisdom and being connected with them. So find, you could do that same thing in your profession. If it, Maybe you're not in ministry, but you're in another type of profession. You can do that same thing. There's some organization that you can become a part of, and you may have a choice on what level that you want to be active in that organization. When I, um, I am uh, one of the spiritual daughters of Dr. Ivy Hilliard, Bishop Ivy Hilliard out of Houston, Texas, uh, with the AIM organization. Well, Bishop Hilliard has uh, special sessions uh, with his sons and daughters. And, you know, th- throughout the years, like one or two, where we actually show up on site. And there's one that um, started last year, but we actually have one in August, where it's just sons and daughters. And he's speaking to us, speaking to us as the father, you know, a spiritual father. And so we got this closed session that we go to. No, but you can't just drop by the church and come into it. So we have a closed session that we go to, and he speaks directly into our lives as his sons and daughters. And he talks about ministry, talks about success, he talks about career, he talks about character and our integrity in ministry and honoring our word and how. How we treat people. I mean, we get that personal, personal touch when we go to those sons and daughters meetings. So that may be an organization that you can join and become a part of where you get that same attention. You know, when we go in October um, for the church development conference, there's a day before where he deals with, uh, where there's, um, uh, or there's a session that he has for the AIM members where he, again, at that huge conference, as big as that conference is, there's a time where he deals strictly with us during that conference. And then even in February, we go to the uh, the First Family Conference, the Pastors and Leaders Conference. There's a time where he's going to deal, that he normally deals with just the people in AIM, you know, before everybody else comes to that particular conference. Before they show up, there's a point where you can, what he deals with the AIM members. And so it's really important to get connected to a mentor. We also do um, share, uh, he does telecalls and webinars, live streaming uh, webcasts uh, with us where we can be at home and actually see them sitting in the the, uh, sanctuary talking to us about whatever it is they want to address with us at that time. So you can be in your city in your state and still be connected to a mentor with the way technology is um, today. It's really important that you um, that you do that. So I'm going to give you some points before we close about mentoring and mentoring uh, relationships. Find somebody to uh, connect with. If you're listening um, by phone or if you're uh, listening through the internet uh, and you need and you're saying, wow, I, you know, if you are called to ministry and you need somebody uh, to mentor you, or if you're called to the teaching ministry, or you have ideas and you're just trying to figure out how do I launch them, how do I get them going, then I'm designing a mentorship program and you're going to be welcome and invited to become a part of that mentorship program. And we'll do exactly what I'm telling you that I experience when I go to my mentor, and that is telecalls, 
you know, uh, webinars uh, and those types of things and on-site meetings so we can come together so I can help you actually propel you into the ministry that God has called you to or into the uh, kingdom business that God has called you to, maybe you're an entrepreneur or into to advance in your career. And so we're so I'm going to have that uh, coming real soon by the month of March, and you'll be able to participate in that and get going with that because I. A part of my assignment is to help you fulfill your purpose. You know, to help bring people to a place of maturity so that they can fulfill their lives for purpose, uh, life's uh, purpose. Uh, so I'll tell you a little bit more about that, but keep that in mind. And if you like, you can always email me uh, to talk about um, any uh, coaching or uh, mentoring that you need at this time. You can email me at ginger at gingerlondon.com. That's G-I-N-G-E-R at Ginger London, G I N G E R L O N D O N, one word, dot com. And um, we can talk about uh, the areas that you need mentoring or help in. Okay, so let me give you some things on um, mentors. Some key things to keep in mind if you're looking for a mentor. A mentor is a trusted teacher. And that's somebody that's going to really have your best interest at heart. You know, we know that the Holy Spirit is our dominant and most important mentor of all. That's the greatest mentor we can ever have. But in the natural, among our human connection, our saint-to-saint connection, a mentor is a trusted teacher. You know, wisdom determines the success of your life. And there are two ways that you can receive wisdom. You can receive it from mentors, and you can receive it from um, the Word of God slash learning from the mistakes you've made, okay? And so there um, uh, are uncommon people in your life, you know, uh, and un- you want a mentor that is the master um, at what they do. And when I say that, I'm not, you know, I'm not using that over, uh, ex- using that or over-expressing that, but you want somebody who's good at what they do and they understand wisdom because wisdom is the principal thing, Proverbs 4 and 7, Okay, you want somebody who can transfer wisdom through a relationship. And that's what we're talking about, keeping good company. You want a mentor who can transfer that wisdom through relationships. You know, uh, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, Proverbs thirteen twenty. All right? You want um, a, a mentor who can uh, paralyze your enemies uh, for you. And what that means is that they will go into the spiritual realm and pray and intercede for you. You want somebody who can go into spiritual warfare on your behalf. And then you want the mentor who will require your pursuit. You know, he does not um, do everything for you. You need what he knows. And so you're going to have to pursue your mentor. That means, like I told you, when Bishop Hilliard has those things, we have to go there or we have to go to the webinar. You know, we have to make an effort to connect on the Internet or make make the phone call. you got to pursue your mentor. All right? And so that's those are the things I want you to remember about uh, your mentor. A couple of other ones, uh, things I want to tell you um A mentor, the relationship with a mentor is a relationship where an experienced, wise, and trusting teacher or counselor imports what he or she knows, and that's what you want to know. All right? Key things about your relationship with a mentor. All right? Uh, Number one, respect the mentor. Don't get involved with somebody and then think you're better than them, you're smarter than them. Respect the mentor. 
That's going to be crucial. Respect the mentor. Do not distract the mentor. Number two, do not distract the mentor. When you make a phone call to your mentor, it needs to be important. It's not about, I just want to chat with you. You know, it needs to be about something that's important. Don't waste their time. All right? Number three, value every teaching moment. When you are asked to uh, either listen by phone, webinar, or even go on site, value every teaching moment. Don't let anything distract you when your mentor is teaching you about what it is that you need to be doing or speaking into your life. Um, uh, number four, the mentor sets the length of the mentoring process. For some people, it's going to, you can be a, a, a son or a daughter or a mentee as long as you want to. For others, it'll be a six-month period, a one-year period, a two-year period. They set the time limit for that. Okay, um, remember that, number six, the relationship must be mutually beneficial. You don't you don't get everything from the mentor and then don't sow anything back into the mentor's life. Find a way to bless the mentor, all right? And then um, sow into the mentor's life, number seven. You can sow a number of ways, financially, with gifts. Do what you have to do to bless the mentor. And then number eight, the very important one, always respect the mentor as the greater. Not not better than you. Um, that don't mean like that. I mean, not minimizing yourself, not destroying your self-worth to be connected to the mentor. But remember that, you know, the student isn't greater than the teacher. The disciples were not greater than Jesus. They learned from Jesus, but they were not greater than Jesus. So if you have a, a question or a comment, if you're listening by phone, you can press the number one and we'll take it. I'll take your uh, question or comment. If not, we're going to close out in prayer. And I want to thank you again. I know this is Saturday, and I know this um, is is, um, an important time um, in your life. So I want to thank you for listening. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this teaching. We pray, Father God, that we're going to be connected to the right people. We thank you, Father God, that the connections are going to be godly, and they're going to be beneficial, and that they are going to be empowering. We thank you, Father God, that the right people will come in and that you will give us a spirit of discernment to know who we are to be connected to. I bless everyone that's on the call and listening by the radio on today, the radio show today. Enrich their lives. Bless them and allow them to hear even more from you on tomorrow as they go forth to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives as we get ourselves together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you all so much for listening. On tomorrow, Sunday at 6 o'clock, we're going to be doing It's Time to Check the Vision. 6.30 p.m. Central Time. It's time to check the vision tomorrow. Start the Kingdom Series section. Thank you so much.